Hey everybody, how are you today? My name is Taylor and this is Morbid Academy. So this week I decided that it was time to finally talk about a well-known serial killer. The man who inspired Chainsaw Massacre, Norman Bates, and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, Mr. Edward Theodore Gein. This guy is the definition of morbid, I would say. Now, when I first heard about him and I heard serial killer Ed Gein, I thought that he killed maybe like five or more people. Five at least, because I think serial killer, okay, lots of people. No, he killed two people, which is bad. Yes, it is bad. But in my brain, I don't think serial killer when I think you killed two people. But the definition of serial killer or serial murder from the Encyclopedia Britannica is, quote, serial murder, also called serial killing, is the unlawful homicide of at least two people carried out by the same person or persons in separate events occurring at different times, end quote. So I guess as a serial killer, whoop de freaking do So let's get started, shall we? Edward Theodore Gein was born on August 27, 1906, in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, to George and Augusta Gein, and had an older brother named Henry. Now, Augusta pretty much hated her husband. Uh, he was an alcoholic and apparently couldn't keep a job. But they stayed together because of their religious beliefs. So the family moved to, well, Augusta moved the family eventually to an isolated 155-acre farm in Plainfield, Wisconsin, in order to, quote, prevent outsiders from influencing her sons. The boys were only allowed to leave the property for school. They weren't allowed to leave for any other reason. They did chores around the farm, went to school, came home, chores. That was their life. Augusta, who was a devout Lutheran, would preach to her sons about the innate immorality of the world, the evils of drinking, and that all women, except herself, of course, were evil. They were, quote, prostitutes and instruments of the devil, end quote. Her words, not mine. And her most favorite thing to do on an afternoon with her sons was to read to them. So sweet. From the Bible. Okay. Except she would pick out the most graphic verses from the Old Testament that had to do with death, murder, and divine retribution. So just another afternoon, right? Just a typical afternoon. At school, Ed was often targeted by bullies because he had a very feminine way about him, which it's the early 1900s, it's considered a bad thing. So he was constantly targeted by bullies. And teachers and classmates would also remember him as being odd, having strange mannerisms, and randomly laughing. Just like outbursts of him laughing at nothing. And because his mother was such a loving and kind woman, Ed was often punished if he ever had tried to make friends. I'm sure the same went for Henry. Anyway, Ed would constantly try to make Augusta happy, but she was often displeased with them and abused them, telling them that they would and believing that they would just become failures just like their father. Loving family, I know. And actually, all you hear about 
is the mom. You don't hear about how the dad treated the kids at all. During their teen years and into their early adult lives, Ed and Henry remained at the farm away from people and only had themselves for company. In 1940, George died of a heart attack and the brothers started taking odd jobs around the community to help with the expenses. The community generally considered them to be reliable, trustworthy, and honest. And they both worked as handymen or handy people, handy workers, carpenters. Let's just be inclusive, okay? But Ed would frequently work as a babysitter. And it said that he really enjoyed it because he was able to, he was able to relate more to the kids than he was to adults. But eventually Henry started rejecting their mother's views of the world, started to realize how odd and extremely toxic she was and her lack of boundaries and worried about Ed's attachment to her, a la Norman Bates. Henry had started dating a woman who was divorced and had two kids and was planning on moving in with her. So we know his mother was ecstatic about this, right? Henry would often criticize their mom in front of Ed, which hurt and genuinely shocked Ed. And actually that, now that I'm thinking about it, it reminds me of Bates Motel with Norman and his brother Dylan. Because Dylan would often criticize Norma, the mom. Yeah, Norma, Norman. If you haven't watched Bates Motel, go watch it. It's flippin' amazing. It's fantastic. They did a amazing job. Freddie Highmore as Norman Bates. He even looks like Anthony Perkins, who was the original Norman Bates in Psycho. Anyway, back to this Psycho. On May 16th, 1944, the brothers were burning away some March vegetation that was on the property when the fire just got out of control and the local fire department was called. Afterwards, when the fire was put out and the firefighters had gone, Ed reported Henry missing. A search party was put together and they searched the property, but Ed led them straight to Henry's body. He's missing, but you let us write to him. So the first thought was that he got lost during the fire and died of asphyxiation or possibly heart failure because when they saw him, there were no burns on his body and the area around him wasn't burned. However, people began to suspect foul play because like I just said, there were no burns on his body and he was quite far away from the area that was burned. So unlikely from dying from asphyxiation. And he also had bruises on his head and the fact that Ed led the search party straight to him. But there was no autopsy, no investigation. Police didn't think that there was foul play. So nothing was done. Yeah, so it's still a mystery as to if he died during the fire or if Ed did something to him, which I wonder what it actually is. Hmm. So after Henry's death, Ed and his mom lived at the farmhouse together. And then Augusta suffered a paralyzing stroke and Ed devoted himself to taking care of her. 
She had another stroke soon after and then died on December 29th, 1945, so about a year and a half after Henry died at the age of 67 after a series of strokes. After this, Ed was completely alone. He had lost his entire family and he told author Harold Schechter that he had, quote, lost his only friend and one true love and he was absolutely alone in the world, end quote. So yeah, he was devastated, obviously, but that was his turning point. So Ed lived on the farm by himself. He lived off of odd jobs that he continued to take in the community. He also lived off of a farm subsidy that he received from the government. And in the house, he actually ended up boarding up all of the rooms that his mother had used. So he boarded up the entire upstairs. He boarded up the downstairs parlor and the living room, and he refused to touch those. There are pictures and it shows the whole house in complete disarray, except for those rooms. They're like, they're like sh shrine-like, basically. And he just kept to himself in a small room off of the kitchen. So just his room and the kitchen. And when he wasn't working, he would keep himself busy with his dark fantasies, reading about Nazi death camps and the South Seas headhunters, cannibals, or studying up on the female anatomy. Wonderful. But let's fast forward about 12 years, November 16th, 1957. A hardware store owner named Bernice Warden had gone missing. A resident had reported that the store's truck had been driven out from the back of the building at around 9.30 that morning, and the store had only a few customers that day, which may have been due to deer hunting season. Bernice's son, Frank, entered the store around 5 p.m. and found the store's cash register open and blood on the floor. He told investigators that the night before his mother disappeared, Ed Gein had been in and planned to be back the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. Well, there was a handwritten receipt, because that's how it was back in the day, for a gallon of antifreeze. And it was the last one of that day. So that evening, Ed Gein was arrested at another grocery store and the sheriff's department searched the farm. They went inside the shed and found Bernice Warden's decapitated body hung upside down by her legs. She had ropes tied to her wrists and a crossbar between her ankles. It said that her body was, quote, dressed out like a deer, aka she was gutted. And she had been shot with a 22 caliber rifle and then everything happened after that. So it's almost like she was hunted. She was shot and then treated like a deer, basically. Uh, she had her head carelessly hacked off and her torso was slit down the throat, and her head, intestines, and her heart were missing. But that didn't even come close to preparing the police for what they found in the house. So now I'm just going to list off what they found. If you don't like gore, actually I should have said that before I said that they found Bernice's body, but trigger warning, gore, body parts, yeah. If you saw Silence of the Lambs, you may understand. So, here's the list. They found four noses, 
whole human bones and fragments of bones, nine masks made of human skin, bowls made from human skulls, 10 female heads with the tops sawed off, human skin covering several chair seats, a wastebasket made from human skin, an apron made of human skin and a face, Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag, Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack, Bernice's heart in a bag near the stove, nine vulvas in a shoebox, a necklace made of tongues, skulls on his bedposts, organs in the refrigerator, a pair of lips that were somehow attached to the drawstring of a window shade, a belt made of human nipples, a corset made of a female torso, and a lampshade made from the skin of a human face. And if you're wondering what any of those look like, they're on the internet. It is you just type it in and it comes up. It's not, it ain't censored at all. Just so anyway, first of all, in that list, I said that they found Mary Hogan's head. Who is Mary Hogan? Well, Mary Hogan was a tavern owner that had gone missing three years earlier in 1954. Apparently, Ed Gein had shot and killed her, piled her body onto a sled, and then dragged her back to his place. And did whatever. So obviously Ed Gein is questioned and he told them, I don't know how long they actually had, they actually had to question him for, but he told them, he said that between 1947 and 1952, he had visited at least three local graveyards about 40 times to dig up the bodies of recently buried women. He said that he would do this while in a dazed state and on about 30 of these nighttime trips, he said he would come out of the daze, realize where he was, and just leave the cemetery empty-handed and having done nothing. He said that sometimes he would dig up women that looked like his mother, bring them home, and tan their skins. His explanation for this was that after his mother died, he wanted a sex change a la Buffalo Bill. So he began to create a woman suit that he could crawl into and become his mother whenever he wanted. A la Norman Bates again. Yeah, just no. What? Why would... How does one go from I want a sex change to I'm going to create a human skin suit to become my mother. Like just wear a dress. I just wear your mother's clothes. Why you got to make a suit? I don't know. Anyway, a 16-year-old boy whose family had been friends of Ed Gein said that Ed had actually shown him shrunken heads at one point. And when police looked into this, it was determined that these were actually human facial skin that had been peeled off of cadavers and used as masks by Ed. Leatherface. I'm telling you, he is the epitome of morbid. So on November 21st, 1957, Ed was charged on one count of first degree murder and he was found mentally incompetent 
and unfit to stand trial, so he was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, which is now known as the Dodge Correctional Institution, and then later transferred to Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. A few months later, in March 1958, Ed's house actually burned to the ground, and when he learned of this, he just shrugged and said, just as well. Also in 1958, the car that Ed had used to transport the bodies was bought by a carnival sideshow operator named Bunny Gibbons, who then charged 25 cents for people to see it. In 1968, so 10 years later, Ed's doctors determined that he was sane enough to stand trial. The trial was set in November, 10 years after his arrest, and lasted one week. He was found guilty of first-degree murder, but was found legally insane and spent the rest of his life in the mental hospital. And on July 26, 1984, Ed Gein died of respiratory and heart failure due to cancer. And fun fact, Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures actually has the cauldron that Ed Gein used for human remains at his haunted museum in Las Vegas. So cool. Yeah, Zach Bagans has so much stuff at his museum. I, I want to go, but I'm also terrified. Like I say in most of my episodes, I'm terrified of everything, but I... I want to go. So that, my friends, is the freakishly more freakishly. Yeah, that that's a good word for it. Morbid story of Ed Gein. Let me know your thoughts over on social media, Facebook, Instagram. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you do the thing. You can find Morbid Academy on all your favorite podcast apps with new episodes out on Fridays and the videos out on Saturday on YouTube and Facebook. Speaking of, uh, if you do watch the videos, you will notice that the videos are no longer up on YouTube or Facebook right now. I had to unfortunately delete episodes 1 through 14. The videos, the episodes, the podcast episodes are still up on all the podcasting sites but the videos are gone because I couldn't edit out the intro I had issues with that and there it's fixed now but unfortunately those videos are no longer up but check out the merch at morbidacademymerch.com I just put up a new design for Halloween if you go to that site and order by October 13th, you will have your order by Halloween and the new, the new design. I love it. It says, we just want the ghost story with a little ghosty and a Victorian lady reading the book. And it's just, I think it's adorable. Please go check it out. Don't forget to order by October 13th and you will have your stuff in time for Halloween. Please consider donating to patreon.com slash morbidacademy. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Morbid Academy. And please send in your creepy, morbid tales, as well as tell me what you would like me to cover in future episodes to morbidacademy at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you keep it creepy, friends. Goodbye. <laughs>